Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver's Sports Travel. I'm Ben James, and today I'm joined by our rugby writers, Simon Thomas and Andy Howe. Good afternoon, chaps. Afternoon, Ben. How are you? Very well, thank you. And you? Yes, on top of top, top, top of the world. Thinking of absent friends, and aren't we? We are. One of our colleagues has taken a knock. We just say Mr. Southcombe is uh, down having a bit of treatment, and our best wishes good everywhere. Yes, indeed. It's uh, not nice to see these youngsters breaking down the injury. <laughs> Even though, in Mr. Southcombe's case, it seems to be quite a regular, re- quite a regular event. I suppose that's a lot of information without context to the listener. It'll, it'll, all, it'll all become clear uh, in the near future. But we'll move on to uh, actual rugby rather than Matthew's uh, health. Um, this weekend, it's Wales versus England. Doesn't get much bigger than that, does it? Really? No, there's a buzz about the week. There really is, you know, and. Um, We've had Warren Gatland this week. I'm going down to England to see what Mr Eddie Jones has got to say for himself. Um, Wales have named their team unchanged, deservedly so. Those players merited another go because it was a very impressive performance against Scotland. Um, There was obviously some debate over whether George North and Liam Williams might come in. In the end, Warren Gatland's gone to the same 15. North on the bench, Liam's gone back to the Saracens to get some rugby. So it's same again. And it'd be very nice if it was same again result-wise. Though I do believe my colleague, Mr Howell, is not so optimistic about Wales' chances. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, though. Just, let me just stress that. I hope I'm wrong, and I'm sure Wales, Wales are going to go there. They're going to try and play like they did, I guess, last week, maybe a few variations, and uh, they're going to have a go at them. Wales have got everything to gain, nothing to lose. But the reality is Wales are still without some world-class players. So that, that result, oh, the, the magnitude of the Wales score against Scotland was uh, out of the blue. If you like, nobody expected Wales to win by uh, by that much. And of course, apart you know, Mr. Gatlin. Yeah, apart from Mr. Yeah. Gatlin, did say in advance <laughs> we're going to batter him, you know, and he turned out he predicted it uh, uh, correctly. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's a bit typical of us in Wales. Now we go from one extreme to another, from doom and gloom to massive optimism. And everyone now on the back of that thinking Wales are going to rock up at Twickenham and beat England. Um, I think it'll either be close or, as I predicted, more likely that English power will tell and they will run away with it in the second round. That's a bit of a dampener uh, on the podcast. Should we go home now? <laughs> <laughs> so then, what can Wales do? Where, where is this game going to be won and lost then? It's interesting if you look at um, the way Wales played against Scotland. There clearly has been this attempt, we've talked about it before, to play a more all-court, ball-in-hand, offloading game. Dabbled with it really for 18 months and it came together against Scotland. In some, you know, There were similarities and I think confidence from the way the Scarlets have played has enabled them to go into a Wales team that wants to play a more expansive game. And it's worked, it's come together and it clicked. Now my viewpoint is where I would take hope about this weekend is in many ways from the Scarlets. When you've watched the Scarlets this last year, the Pro 14 playoffs, the games against Bath and Toulon, it's like, however good the opposition is, when it clicks, when that game works, it is hard to stop. Yeah, you're right. It is hard to stop. When, when you, and I, I think a big part of it is down to confidence and self-belief in your teammates. Because I'm winning. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's about knowing that a colleague's always going to be there. If you're going to play this offloading game, 
it's, it's always risk elements to it, and you've got to know that there's people in support, and that's happened with the Scarlets, and you saw that at the weekend. There was a confidence amongst the players that even though there were stars missing, you know, seven Lions absent, other players coming in, the players who came in have bought into the way that the team's going to, is trying to play, and there was a confidence there was going to be someone there. And I think, you know, you give players with confidence more confidence by saying go again, same 15, and if it clicks again against England, however good a team England are, then Wales will call that, cause them problems. Although I, I do, I do think it's interesting because if you look at England out in Italy, you know it's got seven tries, I think maybe more. It was an impressive attacking performance, but there were defensive vulnerabilities there. Maybe caught short a little bit by the way Italy played in terms of the width they played on the game, but they were caught uh, and found wanting a couple of times in defence. And I think that will give Wales a team looking to play an expansive game, a team who's got three of their four tries out wide from moves, that will give them confidence and heart. So, yes, I'd agree with you that England are favourites. Yes, I'd agree, on balance, probably England should win. But I go there with a the hope that if it clicks for Wales, it's certainly not out of the, out of the question them winning. No, 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 it's not, is it? Because, you know, you go back to 1988 with Jonathan Davis, Mark Ring, um, uh, um, Adrian Adley, etc. You know, they went up there, didn't they? And they run them off the park. Um, so, yeah, um, if, we, if it clicks, Wales going to cause anybody problems. Of course, if they want to England are going to be piling into them next weekend, so the power game up front is going to matter. If Wales got up at least parity at the uh, at the scrum, get a good line-up ball to be able to play that sort of game. If Wales going backwards up front, they will not be able to play that fingertip passing game. Do you think though that this current England pack is significantly more powerful than the Welsh pack? Yes, I think it's super strong. It's a really big pack, heavy pack. I like Launchbury, big fan of his. I think he's well, an he always, exceptional player. Unfortunately, he always plays well against Wales. Does play well against Wales. I think he was man of the match last season, yeah. I believe. Uh, he was man of the match in the World yeah. Cup game as well. Yeah. Uh, it's slightly different, though, and without Billy, Billy Bunapola, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, slightly I, different. Really, Wales may get some joy. Mine is in the back row. Yes. So I don't think I think England have massive miss Billy Bunapola, and I don't think their flank is brilliant. Going, going back to that sort of play in this all-court game, if you, if you think the last two times Wales have been a Twickenham, all their tries have effectively come from playing that sort of game, haven't it? It's, it's only been fleeting moments, but that's how they've scored. Gareth Davis' try under the post, that's you know, an example of Wales finally going wide in the game, yep. when they were forced to through injuries effectively, weren't they? Yep. 2016, they had that late flurry where Priestland came on yep. and, and, and sparked the backs. So, mate, you know, you may have hit on something there. Maybe that is, that's the way where, that is where England are vulnerable. When teams do that, the question is, will Wales be able to do that earlier in a game? Or is it a case that perhaps in those the games you mentioned that England tired, so it did open up out wide? Wales had a chance at hand, they were chasing the game, and all of a sudden they looked, a di- they looked a different side. In both those matches, Wales have been on the back foot, weren't they, for most of the games? You know, in the World Cup, Wales mugged them. And if they beat them in 2016, that would be another mugging. You know, England really shouldn't have lost either of those games, they threw them both away. But you've got to give it to Wales, super fit. Only just kept coming at them and uh, finished stronger. Is that going to be the case this time? Well, because Eddie Jones, he claims now England are on a way to being the fittest team in the world. Is that true? Yeah, well, he's got a diff- he's got his own sort of idea of I think he calls it tactical periodization, something like that. Where they, you know, first seventy minutes they'll think against Italy they had two offloads. Last ten minutes, eight offloads. That you know they they, they let things go in the last ten minutes because they back their fitness. I think that Jones is um, an interesting coach because 
he looks at the game in a kind of very analytical way while also being quite passionate about it at times and that's what I quite like about him um, he will no doubt have something in mind for this weekend I'm intrigued by his team selection what he's going to do there um, for those people who are listening to this before the selection comes out he's obviously got a decision to make in the centre because Ben Teo was playing at 13 there was a very little rugby this season mm. um, did it work some juries out on that Jonathan Joseph is in the wings. Jonathan Joseph and is good against England, against Wales. Wales has got the start. Wales has struggled with his footwork yep. in the time, you know, and uh, that's Play a big four, one four. Exactly, it's a big decision to make there. I mean, the, the, the majority seem to be thinking that Joseph is going to come in. Back row, what does he do there? You know, they don't have an out-and-out specialist seven. Rob Shaw's doing a fine job there, as he's done whenever he's played for England. Huge workhorse. They've got Underhill on the bench who can come on and play that role. And they got um, Courtney Laws at six. They, they dabbled later on with Hengatoja going to six. So what do they do in that back row? And of course they've got Simmons who's come in. Simon Simmons from um, from Exeter, uh, who did what people have been talking about. People have said he's quick. You hear he's quick. It's only when you see just how quick he is, you realise he's seriously quick. And those two tries, were, he startled the Italians with his acceleration off the mark. So it's a different kind of back row. And they've got some big decisions to make whether he sticks with that. Um, in a way, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Wales have named on the Tuesday, and it's like two days' wait then for England to come up with their selection. So we'll see what Mr Jones decides to do. And I think the other selection um, dilemma you haven't mentioned there is Scrum Half. No. But do you think they will just start with Danny Kerr? Not necessarily. Whoa. Do you I not think, think so, and I, I think myself, uh, I think Kerr is more of a finisher. Or Eddie Jones calls a finisher. Do you think, I think he'll, he's start, far more you think he'll start with Wigglesworth? I think there's a chance he might. Do you know the reason why? The other reason why they will start with uh, kicking Wigglesworth, because like Ben Youngs, he's got a strong kicking game, albeit he's left-footed, and they'll, they'll, without a shadow of a doubt, they'll be targeting the Wales wingers. There's some story. Steph Evans, you know, two years ago, what did they do? They targeted Alex Cuthbert, not just for one minute, not just for ten minutes, they targeted him all match. They kept setting, they were either kicking on him, or they were setting up in midfield and going back to his wing all the time, trying to isolate him and all, if I remember rightly. He had a quite a horrid day missing tackles and all. I mean, I'd say that and they will attack. They will go for this. even though Steph Evans played really well last week, and you know he deserves to uh, retain his place in the team. Defensively in the autumn, he mm. had struggled a bit. Eddie Jones will have spotted all that. Like, I'd be amazed if they don't play on Steph. It's interesting. I know Wigglesworth week in week out is probably the most effective scrum half in the Viva Premiership, along kicker. with Dan Robson of Wasps. I think you know week mm. in week out. And, but is he 34 now, I think? And he was, wasn't we saying he was involved like 10 years ago as well? He's, he's been involved on the scene for quite a while. And he's a fighting club player. Um, that's well, it's an interesting one to see him because Minkair and Youngs have dominated that jersey in the, in, in, in the last two, well, four or five years, really, isn't it? Only, three, since Eddie Jones has taken yeah. over, there's only been three minutes of rugby played under him where it hasn't been Kerr or Youngs. So what I'm saying is it's a big call then for such a huge game to suddenly yeah. say we'll start with someone else. But hey, he's not averse to making big calls like Mr Catlin. Indeed he isn't. And they, they've, uh, Catlin's already had a little bit of... Uh, <coughs> been speaking about Eddie Jones this weekend. I don't know if it's the mind game starting early, but he seems very complimentary. Yeah, he's, uh, I think it was a bit some tongue-in-cheek stuff where he was saying, yeah, he'd be, what, he's learning off Eddie... Uh, he'd be watching Eddie, you know. Um, he watches him, you know. He fasc- Eddie fascinates him, and about uh, the possibility of Eddie being uh, uh, Lions coach in South Africa in 2021, yeah. he said, "Yeah, you know, they you know they win that series three 0 with Eddie in charge." And then he said, "Isn't that the easiest tour?" Which he's right about when he looked at the status of South African 
uh, rugby at the, mo- uh, at the moment. But I think uh, Gatland, I don't know, I wouldn't say they were mind games. I think he was being complimentary, being nice about Mr. Jones. But of course, there's a great rivalry between them. And, and you know, both of them will want to win this weekend, wouldn't they? And uh, rub the other's nose in it, so to speak. Is it reading too much into it, those 3 0 comments, that that's a reference to what Billy Bunapola said about Eddie Jones? That he would have won this series 3 0? I don't know if he was thinking that. I think he was. Maybe, you never know. He could have been. I think it's a bit of a quip. I mean, I think. I get the impression it's quite a bit of respect between the two coaches, between Gatlin and Eddie Jones, you know? Um, I think they both recognise that. They've achieved a lot in the game. Um, different, different kinds of coaches, really. I think slightly different. You know, um, Eddie Jones. I remember when he was uh, Australia. coaching Australia, in, and you know, I particularly remember when he was coaching Japan because I was out there on the Wales um, tour of 2013 on the Lions here, and uh, I got spend a bit of time with him and uh, he's a fascinating character he, you know he's got opinions on lots of things outside of rugby you know he's had a fascinating life himself and I think he's been a breath of fresh air to Northern Hemisphere rugby and to the Six Nations and uh, yeah this is going to be one of those classic coaching tactical battles well, I thought Wales tactically coaching wise got the better of Scotland recognised they didn't really have any ball carriers in their team we were quite happy to show them the outside and Scotland to go one side and the other without really getting anywhere just wait for Scotland to make the mistakes which they did got that one right kicked it long to hog backed their defence to keeping pressurised which they did tactically they got it right what will they have in store for England this weekend mm. and what will England have in store for Wales I think England is a lot stronger at centre with far, you know, playmaker skills of Farrell and whether they pick Tio or Joseph uh, both good players, and then out wide, you know, you got uh, Anthony Watson, who's a fantastic <coughs> player. Jack Nell, another player I rate highly. Johnny May, he's got a hell of a set of wheels on him. And Mike Brown is usually plays quite well against uh, Wales' dangerous counter attacker. So they've got a lot more threats than Scotland had. It was interesting, I spoke to Danny Wilson, the Cardiff Blues coach, this week because the Blues um, backs have been running against the, the Wales backs in training with. Um, Wales basically using it as defensive session and the Blues effectively been asked to kind of imitate England in, uh, in some of the plays they make so you had Jared Evans and Gary Smith doing the uh, the, the Ford and Farrell roles um, so they've obviously been going through those ploys Sean Edwards coaches both teams the Blues and Wales he set it up and they went through it wasn't a live session but they went through all different phases of the first phase of scrum line out reset kicking so they'd have worked on a lot of the things they want to employ defensively against England and what was interesting what Danny said was that um, the Welsh defence is, is as aggressive as pretty much any defence in world rugby in terms of its physicality and its line speed and he doesn't think that if, if England attempt to play some of the uh, wraparound looping moves Lions playbook moves that we saw against Italy three times it gives give tries he thinks that the pressure on them will be much greater in terms of in their face shutting down the space and making that move less likely because it inevitably slows things up you, you, you don't go forward very quickly if you're yeah. looping so I think Wales will be very aggressive in that area putting pressure on the 10-12 because if you can disrupt England's 10-12 then a lot of their game plan does disintegrate a little bit yeah, potentially. A lot, a lot of when pressure on them all will come from up front because if they're on the front foot then it's easier to do those wrap runs. Ireland has done those wrap runs loads of times mm. against Wales with success and so have Australia and the All Blacks. Mm. So it does come work against yeah. uh, uh, Wales. Uh, what England also got, which Scotland never really, is England got bags of out and out pace in their team. And if they do breach that first line, they're very difficult to stop them because they've got some uh, finishers, some real speed merchants. Do you think there's a likelihood of Jack Noel coming into the team? 
I think it's a possibility, yeah. yeah. Instead of May? Uh, not necessarily. They could actually, they could, might actually, they could may leave Brown and play Watson fullback. Which should be quite bold and ambitious, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, Brown, he's had some head knocks, hasn't he? And he came back last yeah. week. Uh, they took him off, so unless they took him off to keep him for, uh, for Wales. Yeah. You mentioned how important the centre is going to be. This is this is the first real big test for Hadley Barnes, I suppose, isn't it? You know, he's had two games at Principality Stadium. This is now Twickenham. Yeah, he's come through them well. I mean, he has come through yeah, them well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he's course. not a kid. He's not a kid, is he? He's no. been around the block. He's played Super Rugby, um, and he, you know, he's experienced operator. He's unfaced, and he looks comfortable on on this stage. And he's typical New Zealander, isn't he? he does the basics well. Uh, so I don't think he'd be bothered. I can't see him freezing at uh, Twickenham. I'd be more worried about the Welsh wingers freezing. Well, that, well, that was the point Gatlin made, wasn't it, when he was explaining why Adam, Josh Adams retained his places. They were pleased with his performance on debut against Scotland, but also said, you know, if you're going to find out about somebody at the next level, there's no better opportunity. Which does sound as like it's an element of experimentation in there. You know, he could have gone with George North. He could have put North in there. North played 80 minutes for Northampton against Harlequins last weekend scored a try glimpses of his former self you know if he'd done it I don't think it'd be a try, huge hang on hold on no, it was a running yes, try it was a running it was try, a walk-in <laughs> try <wasn't it? laughs> but he looked he looked lean and there was a couple of times when he yeah. did break some distance all I'm saying is that he showed that he he's a lot better state than he's been in yeah and but it, does George North quite my question for you mm. has he does he Got a given right to be in a Wales team? Oh, no, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it, it wouldn't have been a huge surprise to people if he had brought North in yeah, for a game of this Adam, magnitude. Yeah, but Adams looked last week strong defensively, his yeah. positional play, yeah. and they will be North. Uh, George's strength is with the ball in hand, mm-hmm. running. That's where it's facts. Yeah. He's not the world's greatest defender, and he's not great under the eye ball. Mm. And the cross kicks, you know, Adams looked good enough. As he's played quite a lot of fullback. And, uh, Reed's, they, Reed's defence as well Reed's, he? yeah he looked like he read it well and uh, he looked a good, a good player and uh, you know North if George was playing for Wales England would target him as well I thought Adams was very good he, you know, he's, he's no prisoners in defence with that boy he has got general gas had the one opportunity with the run where Corey Hill fed him didn't quite get the, the end product of that but if you're looking at it as a debut, it was very satisfactory. Yeah. On that performance, deserves it. The only question mark, as I said, going to a massive game at Twickenham, yeah. there might, an, an, might have been a temptation to go with the experience. But in fairness, Gatlin said that there was very little debate over the selection. It didn't really give them much consideration to I, starting. I think Wales are right to keep the same team. I, I think, think they are will. right yeah. because of all injuries, actually. Even though they said there's Six Nations and their bread and butter, but this is a, a tournament they want to win. I think what's happened. Um, with, with all those injuries people missing is actually a blessing in disguise for the 2019 World Cup and uh, it, it, it takes me back to before the uh, 2011 World Cup Stephen Jones pulled out the warm-up match at Twickenham Priestland. in the warm-up Reese Priestland came into the team had a good day, uh, excellent game all of a sudden Wales were on uh, onto something and Priestland was superb at that World Cup uh, but of course he missed the, the semi-final through uh, injury and Wales lost that so Wales Wales because of Bigger's injury might have dropped on something with Mr Reese Patchell at 10 yeah I think that's a good point it'll be interesting to see how he goes wasn't it because, yeah. yeah he went well last weekend he did uh, he, uh, what I like about Patchell as well is that he keeps his defense, he keeps the opposition defence honest he's prepared to take him on he's a big boy he's got plenty of speed and I tell, what else he's got as well he's got a lightning pass off both hands 
I think he was excellent, you know. I mean, I was very pleased for him because he's worked hard at it. He's bided his time. He went to the Scarlets because he wanted to play at 10. Helped the Scarlets um, win the title. Carried his form on this season. Deserved the opportunity. Played well, you, you know. And just varied his game nicely. I also like the fact that he was happy to step back into backfield. Provide another option alongside Halfpenny. He's almost releasing the responsibility on Halfpenny in terms of counter-attacking. He would take that that challenge on himself, make the right decisions. He was really good. And then, of course, the following morning, he then goes and coaches his quick uh, under-16s against Landaff. Uh, and most people, I think, would have agreed he probably deserved a feet up, but that shows how much the boy loves his rugby. And he... Uh, He's a, just a really just genuine rugby bloke, and I'm really pleased for him. And the other thing was Wales scored four tries against Scotland last weekend, whereas in uh, uh, 2017 they were averaging under two per game. Yeah. So you know he was the he was the outside half um, driving the team, if you like, as uh, Graham Henry would say, uh, steering the ship mm. uh, on the pitch. And even though that first one was an intercept, it does come down from as you mentioned Pressure. his his. Uh, Patchell's positional play that he drops into the backfield which allows Gareth Davis to step up into the defensive line and if Wigglesworth does start you know it's his first England start since 2015 against Uruguay mm. there could be a few cobwebs in terms of the system if he takes a half step longer than he should in the past Gareth Davis could pick him up yeah. well Wales can play with two fullbacks defensively yeah. on Saturday they can push Adams and Steph Evans up into a higher positions and you can have you, you, can, yeah. you can have then Halfpenny and Patchell covering two halves of the pitch and we've seen already I mean there was the one chip over the top I think it was from Finn Russell against Scotland of the weekend where it looked for all money as though Russell was going to get and almost from nowhere Halfpenny beautifully positioned comes in snaps yeah, the ball come, up the makes 10 yards and just brilliantly well you have him doing that in one half of the field Patchell in the other it gives you real options they you push up put pressure on it's a good setup, and I do think that Patchell is, is adding an awful lot to this Welsh team. You know, it, it says a lot, isn't it? That we lose probably our first two choice um, outside halves in Daniel Bigger and Rhys Prislin. Rhys Patchell steps up, does really well. Anscom comes off, shows his range of passing. A few years ago, and we'd have lost players like we've mentioned, the Lions, and we'd have struggled, wouldn't we? Yeah. Now sure. we do have a greater depth and an ability to cover absentees, and I think that's a big plus moving forward. Yeah, whatever happens on Saturday and during the rest of the Six Nations, I'm quite excited about the prospects of going in for the next year in the World Cup. Just look at Luce said, you've got Rob Evans starting, Wynne Jones coming off the bench, it made a big impact, I think scored a try should have been given to him, big scrummager. Nicky Smith, who's been outstanding for the Ospreys, He's been. He's not. He can't even get in the twenty-three. Got Gethin Jenkins as well playing. Let's, okay, yeah, yeah, let's, it's what a let's, position. Let's take us back. Take it back to the autumn of twenty sixteen. Gethin Jenkins was brought back into the Wales team, and uh, I think he captained Wales in mm. uh, that autumn yeah. uh, because at the time um, uh, there was sort of maybe a couple of doubts about uh, who said, but no, also Wales got abundance of riches. We only have to look right at the players who have been released back to their regions and their clubs. We took eleven players. You got James Davis going back to the Scarlets. You know, you've got Hallam Amos going back to the Dragons. You've got Nicky Smith, who I mentioned, going to the Ospreys. There's five players going back to the Blues, all quality players. Ellis Jenkins, likes of these. It just does show you, you know, that there is real strength in depth now. And I think that the encouragement is that it's coming in, in areas where we've perhaps struggled before. Props. For years and years, we had, we'd had Adam on the tight head, you know, and for years and years, we had Martin Williams as the only open side. We went through long periods of these kind of situations. There aren't many positions now in the Welsh team where you can't look and say there's three or four players. And the good thing as well is that I'm told that not for the 2019 World Cup, 
But for the 2023 20, World Cup, they've got a succession plan in place for 16, 17, 18-year-olds. And in most positions, they've got three, four, five players they've got coming through where they think they've got ability. You saw the Wales in the 20s last week, encouraging start. They've made seven changes, I think, for this week, showing yeah, the depth yeah. there. There are players the, the, coming the, through. The under-20s are, under are using the successes as an experiment. But, but you can't experiment if you haven't got players you believe no, in. No, What I'm saying, I think there are... I don't want to get carried away with this, but I think I can't remember a time where I've seen such depth coming through from the age groups and the academies. This, this uh, shows the good work the academies are doing. It does, yeah. Indeed it does. Nice bit of positivity there. Feeling any different, Andy, now? What, your what was your prediction, by the way? Uh, I wrote it down because I, I got to look at it to believe it. <laughs> England, uh, 38. Uh, Wales, 16. What are you basing that on, Andrew? On the power of the English pack, their record. And uh, Wales are without some, uh, 38, some, uh, pe uh, some people. I just think uh, England, as they did in Italy last weekend, could run away with it. I'm, I, I, half. I, hope, I hope I'm wrong. So you see it more as a gradual rather than England start quick and then Wales come back as we've seen recently it's going to be more of a sort of just grind us down isn't it yeah okay. yeah I think so yeah, yeah so and I think that's where this the Wales team without those Lions stars and all may get caught could struggle a bit uh, they may okay. not be able to come back like the other boys did let's be honest England are back to back Six Nations when I think you said they haven't lost at home in the Six Nations well, since it, 2012 if England were playing New Zealand this weekend England would win and they there we won. are say it again if England were playing New Zealand this weekend at Twickenham that England would win another, another stat for you they won the second half of their last 20 games yeah. mm. do you know the last team to, to win the second half was we have Wales I think 2016 yeah, listen England right. would deserve to go into this game as favourites of their track record I just think that Wales' defence is very very well organised although it was um, quite an offloading freewheeling game against Scotland there was still organisation and structure to it yeah. it was it was structured madness does that make sense it was structured <laughs> disorganisation at times rugby chaos rugby chaos oh, oh yeah that's that phrase again isn't it yeah but if <laughs> If England had employed the same tactics as Wales did against Scotland last weekend, they would have hammered them as well. Oh, but we're just saying that Scotland were very poor, is that basically well, what Because Wales, they were poor and Wales made them look mm. even worse. They didn't turn up. I don't think they believed all their publicity. Townsend got his team selection wrong. Mm. We they were short of power up front. Uh, you know, England hammered them yeah. at Twickenham last season, though Scotland did have a lot, lot of injuries early on in that match, so there was a bit of a mitigation. Yeah. But uh, I think England... Uh, or Ireland mm. would have hammered Scotland last week and uh, and if, if they were playing France in Paris as well France would have hammered them how bad Scotland were and Italy would have beat them as well there we are a lot Ooh, that's, big. that's big yeah mind you I think so. Ooh, Scotland Scotland got France this weekend yes in, they in Murrayfield Murrayfield oh, yeah no one ever might win well Scotland have been poor yeah. away from home haven't they you know that's and the they've thing. been very good at home so you never know with France. France got their own issues to contend with. They're probably they got, <laughs> pretty they, they, they mentally of, broken yeah. after what happened in the and last they, minute. And they picked up a lot of injuries. So. Yeah. But, but bottom line is, I'm I'm really looking forward to Saturday. I think it's a contest between two good sides. You know, I think England are a fine side. Got their vulnerabilities in defence. I think we've seen that. Can Wales exploit that? Wales got a lot of key players in key positions with limited international experience. Limited at ten. Limited in the wings. But, well, I hope but, these boys come through, and, and but now by I the end of the Six Nations, they actually sit first choice players. I think Wales have got a good Wales got a good pack, you know. And I think the other thing is key that Ross Moriarty got 55, 65 minutes of the weekend. Yes. That will have helped him, you know. I think that he'll be sort of uh, able to step up to another level. Shingler and Navidi were excellent, uh, and the quality on the bench. Hey, listen, I think it'd be a good contest. I think England probably will win, 
but I, I see it being a quite a, cl- a close uh, encounter. So what's your prediction? I, yeah. I, I will go. I mean, I think. What's, what's the weather for? Have we seen anything? Yeah, it's okay. It's I'll okay. Them. I'll go for twenty-five, twenty-one to England. Twenty-five, twenty-one. That's, there we That's go. fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking that that resembles a, a score of England Wales in the last few years, doesn't it? Yeah, twenty sixteen, isn't it? Yeah, similar score. Similar score. Other way around, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, before we finish, we'll just touch on some other Welsh rugby news. Oh God! This, I, I can tell you're dreading this one, and that is. Can you ask Andy? Cardiff Blues, no, Andy. I don't know. We know uh, Simon's been covering his story. He knows it in detail, so I think it's best if he explains <laughs> there what's happening. Pass in the back. What's happening is that there is a very real possibility that Cardiff Blues will be moving away from the Arms Park, their historic, traditional home. Um, but oh, hold on, they did move away from it a few years ago and played at Cardiff City Stadium for a few years, so <laughs> it's, it's not the first time. As I say, it's traditional, historic. <laughs> See, he wants me to talk and then he butts in. <laughs> right. Um, the reason for the issue is that for 10 years now, on and off, they've been negotiating an attempt to get an extended lease on the Arms Park from the owners of the ground, the Cardiff Athletic Club. The reason for that, they want a 150 year lease, which will give them development rights, enable to them to demolish the existing stadium and build a new uh, a new ground there. Because obviously there's a the recognition that the Arms Park is, uh, is, an, is a tired old lady and it needs renovation and redevelopment. So that's the plan. But for various reasons, they have been unable to reach agreement with the Athletic Club on the lease. Um, it, it seemed as though they're moving in the right direction last year. There's a financial agreement where there'd be a premium of £8 million paid to the Athletic Club and increased rent, and then 150-year lease given these development rights. Uh, it fell through, but obviously it was around about the time and there was all the discussion about possibly the Blues being taken over by the Union, it's got a little bit complicated. Uh, and we constantly hear about one of the big issues is the heritage issue. Um, the Cardiff Athletic Club wants an absolute guarantee that teams playing at the Arms Park will have the Cardiff name in them. Obviously, there's a slight issue there because it's 150 years, and giving a 150 year guarantee on a name is quite hard, especially when there are RSAs to acquire with the Welsh Rugby Union. Would the Welsh Rugby Union be happy with the Cardiff name being there forever and a day? These are the kind of issues. There's a Cardiff Athletic Club AGM this week as well, so it was quite pertinent the timing of the Blues announcement that they might be moving away. But I will tell you, people I talk to, the Blues, my contacts there, and various people involved at the Arms Park. I think they are very seriously considering moving away. They feel they've had enough is enough. They've done no more than they can. That's their view on it in terms of negotiations. And they think they might as well just save the £8 million, maybe find a new site elsewhere in Cardiff, build a new stage in £20, £30 million. So who's going to pay for the new stadium? And I'm the Blues got financial issues. What's the situation with their rent at Cardiff Athletic Club? Uh, well, it's on the record that they are in arrears on their rent to the Cardiff Athletic Club for the uh, rental of the Arms Park. So uh, how much? Uh, not far short of £100,000, I'm told. Uh, but they do say they're going to pay it, although it may be a bit late with the payment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the payment will be made. So how can they afford a new stadium? Well, I mean, obviously, they do have a large historical debt. Yes, you're right, Andrew. Um, but... I think their view is the starting point is that they would save eight million pounds, which they are going to be spending on giving to the athletic club, and possibility of maybe council involvement in it, private property developers. Let's be fair; there are quite a few people in the Cardiff Blues board with property development experience, so they would know what it takes. And there's quite a few people involved with Cardiff Athletic Club with property development experience, by the way. Yeah, there are, and I suppose so. I suppose if anybody would be in a position to know how how you finance and uh, build. Richard Holland, the chief executive of the Blues, you know, does seem quite confident that if it does have to go down that route, he'll be able to find the funding for the project and there'll be people who'll be keen on getting involved. I hear that, I understand there 
are uh, sites in Cardiff City Centre they look at as, and which they see as very favourable opportunities. So, you know, there's an element of the shot across the bow as the Athletic Club Trust trying to get progress in the lease. But I think part of them are also saying they've got one foot out the door and that's perhaps the best thing to do is to go elsewhere. Why don't they just go and play at the uh, Lackworth Athletic Stadium? Which you mean the one opposite the Cardiff City oh, yeah, Stadium? because it's you know, Cardiff City Stadium. They moved out there because it got too large for them in the end because they weren't successful on the field, so the crowds uh, plummeted. Initially, mm. haven't had a great start with attendances. Why don't they come involved with Lackworth, which is owned with the council? It's got a big stand, and uh, and they could they could develop that ground. It's already there it's in place. They could move there pretty quickly. My understanding is they prefer a Cardiff City Centre site. And yeah, yeah, but why should the public purse then become involved? Well, well it's already hang on a second. Hang, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Small city. Hang on. I'm going to have the new indoor arena on top as well. By the way, which is going to be a separate stadium. There's no. There's absolutely nothing being said yet. I, 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 the, the taxpayer paying for it, okay? You mentioned the public purse, the council getting involved. All I said was that I know that the council may well be involved in terms of the, the sites they could suggest. There's no confirmation yet that any money would come from the council. Listen, if you're asking me straight how it would be paid for, I don't know, but it's not up to me to finance the deal, <laughs> is it? Let's be honest. It's up to Cardiff Blues so, to finance so, the deal. So, how realistic do you think it is that the but Cardiff Blues, where do you think they'll be playing in five years' time? Uh, in a new site, in a new stadium, uh, with a capacity of about 15,000, with some terrace and some stand. It'll cost them over 25 to £30 million, pounds, and they'll be at the Arms Park. Do you, but will they still be financially uh, sustainable then? Because the problem, not just Cardiff Blues, but every rugby club in, uh, in Great Britain, probably in France and all as well, is uh, sustainability. Listen. You can look at Welsh rugby and whatever you say about it in the whole professional era, there has been a requirement for benefactors to That's come in. You know, every team basically that succeeded has had to have them. So the question is in five years' time, will there be Peter Thomas still putting money in? Will somebody else still be putting money in? Will the union be a greater role? We don't know. But I mean, certainly the RSA that's been put in place, there are aspects to it which are involve increased funding for meeting certain criteria and standards. Uh, the whole funding issue for Welsh rugby continues to be up in debate and up in discussion, but at some point there's always been a role for benefactors, and I think there still will be. Whether there'll be enough benefactors, whether there'll be enough money, whether there'll be a new stadium, I don't know, we'll probably still be writing about it in five years' time. Indeed we will. I suspect we will be. Sort of regretting opening that can of worms now. <laughs> I tried to be it simple. <laughs> there we go, that's all uh, for today on the Welsh Rugby Podcast. The next one will be post England-Wales at Twickenham and hopefully despite my prediction we'll be celebrating a famous Welsh victory and will Mr Southcombe be there? well I don't know he's on the injured list will he be fit to late fitness test I'm I'm not travelling injury injury reserve thankfully so uh, oh goodness we might have to do it on the phone just chatting and there we go so if you have enjoyed this podcast you can as always subscribe on iTunes and you can follow all the latest news ahead of Wales-England on Wales Online